Hello and welcome to Army of Crime, your favorite pop culture adjacent slash comic book focused podcast. Uh, my name is Matt and I'm here with my co-host Dustin. Now Dustin, we tend to cast a pretty wide net here at Army of Crime podcast headquarters at our, our, our fortress out in the wilderness. And I think we've done that again because we got something here that is was critically acclaimed when it came out and now is kind of um i mean if you want to read it you got to go buy the the copy off of ebay for a lot of money because it's been out of print for a long time dustin what are we talking about today so we're going to talk about a graphic novel from 2010 called duncan the wonder dog show one by adam hines this was a uh was created with a grant a Zarek Grant, and it won a prize, the 2011 Lindward Graphic Novel Prize. Um, it was highly acclaimed when it came out 11 years ago, and it was stated as the uh, in show one in the title. It was meant to be the first in a nine-part series detailing a story in this world where it's like everything is the same as it is now, except for animals can all talk and be understood by people. So it's sort of an animal rights fable. But as you said, it has since gone out of print. You know, it's not available digitally by any legal means that I could find. And the um, author, Adam Hines, has since moved on to work in the video game field and the other eight parts in this series are have not materialized and uh, probably won't from all. I mean, I haven't heard anything about any of the other parts of this. So as of right now, we just have the one story, Duncan the Wonder Dog. It is a almost 400 page graphic novel. Uh, I had read this once before back around when it had first come out and I was a huge fan of it. I thought it was fantastic. And, but this was your first time reading Duncan the Wonder Dog. Matt, what did you think of it? Well, it's a, I would say it's a pretty unique, it's a pretty unique thing. Uh, it uses a lot of mixed media. Um, yes, there are collages and like parts of it are made to look like letters or like a storybook kind of. It's a very dense work. There's a, um, and I should say maybe overall what the, uh, story is kind of roughly about there's a whole bunch of characters but the main overarching storyline involves uh duncan the wonder dog who is meant to be some sort of animal uh, messiah of sorts who is a dog who walks on his hind legs and has like arms and legs like a human being and he is mentioned and i believe there is one scene with a character who I think is supposed to be, or maybe not Duncan, but I can't recall if he ever actually does appear in the story. But the main um, action of the story is kind of about these animals who are like an animal rights terrorist group. Pompey is like this little monkey who's like a violent uh, terrorist maniac. And there's an FBI agent that's after her. So yeah, that's basically kind of what it's about in a nutshell. But I mean, so, even to give it that kind of summary, like you have to get pretty far into it before the storyline even starts. Right. Um, he, he uses a lot of like there's a, little, a lot of vignettes 
like with like little like almost like little fables as you try as you try to hop you to kind of like hop around what this world is like yeah. because because the the premise it, it's it's almost like deceptively simple as a premise it's interesting because it's it starts in a world that's very much like ours ignoring the possibility that if animals could talk you know history would have developed completely differently Right, so, that's what I thought was interesting about it because the premise isn't just what if animals could talk. It's like what if animals could talk, but we treated them the same way that we treat them now. Yeah. So, like, what if your dog could like have a conversation with you, and, and there's like cows being put into a slaughterhouse who are like can like talk to you. Yeah. Um, which is an unsettling, unsettling idea, and you wonder if we would still treat. The question that it inevitably makes you ask is, would we still treat animals the same if they could talk to us? And then it makes you wonder if makes then it made me have the thought is, is speech such an important part of right. humanity that like, why would speech be the one thing that would make us treat or not treat someone better or worse? Being that we treat fellow human beings so horrifically so often and of course they're you know sentient and capable of speech yeah and they you know the story like you're talking about with duncan the 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 dog with arms i mean that's almost not really even in it it's like really yeah. kind of it's really kind of glimpsed a couple of times there's a lot of time spent on like i mentioned like the cutaways and the vignettes um there's like uh like like all the splash pages um, there's like a part where there's like an old, what looks like a, uh, like an old library book card or something. And there's like, um, these little stories in it of like the different dogs and animals. Like there's a little, uh, there's a little bit where there's like a wildlife photographer and then like a monkey walks up to him and tells him to go away. Like, why are yeah. you spying on us? Go away. And there's like a little story of a cow that won't go into a building that may or may not be. A slaughterhouse and then someone has to come and shoot the cow and, and they're like arguing with the cow or whatever like it's a lot of these little bits of, of of what their their world is like and overall it's i would say a word to describe a lot of it there's a lot of ambiguity because we don't really know not that we necessarily have to know but we don't really know exactly how their world is set up and it's not always abundantly clear by design how some of the characters relate to each other. Yeah, part of it being a part one of a proposed part nine series is a lot of much of the story seems to be setting up characters and plot threads that would theoretically come into play more as the sto overall story develops. Or, I mean, maybe not. We don't really know. Um, so you have, like I mentioned, there's an FBI agent. Um, there's a guy who is the head of a uh, government. He's like a important member of the U.S. government. Yeah, he's like a government official in charge of like uh, human animal relations, I believe. Um, and then there's the terrorist Pompeii and... Who else do we got in here, Matt? Um, there's the journalist. Right, who lives with a uh, 
or a monkey of some sort. No, see now as I as I call them a monkey, it feels like is that is that wrong? Yeah, and it's um, not abundantly. It's like possible that they're married. They seem to be in a like husband and wife kind of relationship with a human woman and a male monkey who wears clothes and like walks around and talks with people. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of moving parts because like the the storyline of of the FBI agent, um, and you know that's almost like a stock character, like the detective guy. He's like a burnt out detective. Right. Which is almost like I said, almost like a stock character trying to catch um, like this terrorist group. That doesn't even really get underway, I would say, until like the second half of the thing, the second yeah. half of the book. Because um, you spend all you spend a huge amount of time in the second half with uh, there's a bombing at a college done by the animal terrorists. Uh, Pompeii, and then there's a gorilla who's like her sidekick. But that takes up almost like the last hundred pages. Uh, there's a bombing, and the police are looking for them, and they are like hiding out in a this like suburban home, kind of waiting for an escape to materialize. Yeah, and then I mean, part of what happens is is Pompeii. I don't know if this counts as a spoiler or not. I mean, I guess it's kind of a little tiny spoiler, but like Pompeii kills um, this guy's like whole family. Uh, which it doesn't show, but he says that he explicitly killed like his kids and stuff. Yeah. Uh, which is grim. Um, it doesn't it doesn't show it, but you're like, okay, so this is some serious stuff here. And then and then it takes like a I don't even how many pages like a chapter's worth of of a digression into um, the diary of one of the people that he's just killed. So so like we know they're already dead, but. Then we spend like a lot of pages just going over like their life up to this incident. Yeah, that's actually I think one of my favorite parts of Duncan the Wonder Dog is this whole scene, this whole sequence of the uh, diary, which is a lot of like text on the page, but then it also has like crude kind of like comic strip illustrations that go with it. So it sort of like shifts uh, stylistically into uh, this like. And it's interesting because it gives you a little glimpse of what, like, the average person's life is like. Yeah, and how they relate to their pets. Like, they have a dog, and you can, like, talk to the dog. And the dog is almost living... The dog almost lives like an extra child. Because I think the dog also calls the, the woman mom. Yeah. So the, the so your pets are, like, your extra kids. But they're, like, kids that you can go buy. Yeah. And, and, the and bring home. And their dog is like dying and it's all about them. Like their cat confronts confronts her and is like, you need to spend more time with the dog because he is lonely and he's gonna die soon. And it's actually becomes like really moving and you know, it really kind of touching look into this like very average family and how they relate to each other and how they relate to their pets. And on some level you might think that Pompeii would be moved by this but of course she you know then goes and like burns a diary because she thinks it's all sort of stupid um because you know one needs no uh urging i mean it, it's not a wild conspiratorial thinking to to know all of the horrible ways in which humans have treated animals so like that's actually one thing i was thinking about is if someone like her would view pets as sort of like species traders or something because she seems to have no sympathy at all for the this family's care for their 
cat and dog. Right. As you said, they've already murdered them all, but yeah, they've already murdered them. And now, yeah, and now it shows you kind of what they're up, what they were up to before. And, and as you mentioned, Pompeii is a, it, and it's a, so it's a, it's a very like almost like hypocritical. You know who Pompeii honestly reminds me of? This is gonna sound weird at first, but honestly, kind of reminds me of Adrian Veet from Watchmen. Okay. Because they take like this really strong moral line, right? About like how they're obviously right and like everyone else is wrong. And it's like kind of like the hypocrisy, but like also we're just going around like casually murdering people. Yeah. And then it, your mind kind of whiplashes around because you're like, well, if, if animals could talk and had the same degree of consciousness as humans and we did treat them the way we treat them, um, maybe that would make sense to be a terrorist who murders people. Right. Because that would be pretty bad. But then, as you said, part of the premise that's baked in is you're like, okay, so we wouldn't really treat them that way if they could talk, right? I mean, I really wouldn't. I wouldn't think so. So your your mind kind of like whiplashes back and forth as you're reading this. Pompeii and the grill stop at a gas station and they shoot the owner of the gas station for no particular reason. Um, I think she's just like angry and, you know, pissed off at the entire world but then it's the the owner of a gas station's dog who hits the alarm uh, on them and sort of like narks them out to the cops right and it's it's kind of a convention i think when you're trying to explore an issue to have the antagonist be the extreme version of that issue i feel like this is a thing i remember reading in i don't know like green arrow comics or something where it's about the environment but the bad guy is like an extreme environmentalist who wants to uh blow up all the you know, nuclear power plants or something. Um, so you're exploring an issue, but you're intentionally taking it like really far, right? I guess it's like the Magneto approach, right? Like you 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 cast it in a really extreme version, but you still make somebody think about it. I couldn't help but wonder, would it be more interesting to have like a less extreme proponent of animal rights um, be well, like have one of the main less... characters? You have a less extreme proponent of animal rights in. Isn't this, it Voltaire? Yeah, Voltaire. Yeah, is but, the but, but they, they're also not in it like a ton. The, the no. narrative, they kind of drop out of the narrative, right? So I would have had, a, I think it would have been more interesting to have more of what Voltaire is up to. Um, and he less. is very much like the advancing animal rights by working through the system and sort of. Uh, you know, assimilating into human society, whereas yeah. these other animals who Voltaire pointedly wears, wears people clothes, uh, right. whereas the other animals don't. And of course, they see nothing wrong with, you know, killing human beings. There's a great, actually great panel of Pompeii, the monkey with a machine gun uh, in, a, in like a police chase, like she's like leaning out a window with a machine gun while the cops are chasing them. Yeah, and like, I don't know, it, it it gives you a lot to chew on. I mean, I really, I really was thinking about it, like, because I also was thinking, what would history, various points of history look like? Um, or, or, or like, could there be animal leaders, separate animal societies? Um, and, and it, he seems to intentionally take like this very, like deceptively uh, simple premise and then kind of like bottle, like bottlenecks it um through this yeah. setup of of almost like like i said like a stock character like almost like a conventional character like an fbi agent 
like the, the burnt out FBI agent investigating a terrorist attack. Yeah, I mean, you definitely I, I, don't get the view like they gamed out how this would have changed world history starting from the very beginning, right? Where it's like alternate history kind of. But and what did you think of the uh, uh, visual, the visual style, or I should say visual styles of uh, Duncan the Wonder Dog? I assume it's an intentional choice that the humans are drawn in like a, almost a more simplistic style than the animals. Yeah, uh, he, he does this thing where the humans are very like uh, straightforward, like simple lined, uh, you know, comic strip looking characters. And then he'll place them against these like really detailed backgrounds. And I don't know if the backgrounds are maybe part of like you know, collage or like found media kind of thing, because it almost like looks like that at some points. And not that that's bad, but it uh, adds something, I think, to the heightened reality of it. And like you said, maybe the uh, the intention was to make the human and animal character seem as like equally important or not try to favor one or the other. Yeah, it, it, it I think the art style, um... I mean, as was mentioned, there's a lot of like very impressive things um, and like the splash pages and the collages. I mean, it's all very cool. And then on some level, he seems to be um, th there's like a, a delicate dance of this very like absurd kind of world that, that you're like keeping alive through just enough um, ambiguity because you have like the almost like the comic strip looking people acting out this whole scenes um, with like the very detailed animals. And it, it's an interesting effect. I mean, it really gives you something to chew on. Um, and when it was over, I, I mean, I wish there was the rest of it because I would want to know what happens next. It does come to something of a conclusion with, within show one. Yeah, it doesn't like end on a, you know, mid-sentence or anything. But I definitely would have wanted more. And I feel like part of the part of its strength is perhaps the ambiguity, right? Because we, would we really want to sit down and have him explain in detail exactly how the animals gain the ability to talk or or or, or whatever um but it's kind of the kind of falls under like leaving leaving the audience wanting more yeah because you because you read it and you're like huh and then you just kind of start looking at it and like I, I think the first thing i did when i finished reading it was just be like hmm and then start paging back through it again yeah like you're but like you're, you read it you're like trying to solve this puzzle or something it's I think the strengths of it are um, very much, it's it's a very like empathetic work. I think teaching us or like uh, demonstrating empathy for these human characters and also then for these animal characters and like what they go through. And which of course is impossible then to not think of animals in our world and what they, the similar things that they must go through. So it's not, even though the premise is sort of like elevator pitchy, it's definitely not, like I said, meant to be like a realistic gamed out scenario of what this would be like. I think it's mainly focused on, you know, having empathy for all the various lives and the situations that these animals and these people find themselves in. And like you said, it has all these, like the, there's a part here where a monkey brings water to what seems to be some sort of like lizard philosopher in uh, India and the lizard like tells them a story uh, which is like a very beautiful like sequence of its own that may or may not end up relating to the larger story 
and then you'll have like just pages of these and i don't know if they're like you know collages from like other materials or like all stuff that he drew himself of just like displays of the universe and almost like an old-timey you know medieval manuscript sort of you know like the 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 spheres of the heavens like sort of things yeah it's very impressive yeah just Just... from like page to page you can see the on the insane amount of work and like the amount of heart and like personal feeling that went, went into this book and i think it's like you just i'm just like flipping through it right now and there's like so many it's hard to like go a couple pages without finding just like a beautiful little moment like either visually or like in in the little one of, vignettes one of the little stories many the little like sides story. yeah yeah right like there's a part i like where uh, a character is sitting on a balcony smoking a pipe and then like a bird just lands and starts talking to them right like what would that be like to live in a world where the bird just flies by lands starts talking to you What what would my cat say to me if they could talk? What would your cat say to you? Right. I mean, it sounds like a dumb question, but I guess you really got to think about it. Would would your animals rat you out to the animal terrorists? What do you think? Would they be like, no, he's one of the good ones. Don't kill him. Yeah, I don't know. Because there, there are humans that are allied with the animal terrorists. Right. I think it uh, very much avoids a like a simple, like straightforward, straightforward approach to that. Like you said, it sounds kind of elevator pitchy, um, but he really kind of delves into the into the into a lot of, um, you know, subtext, little back and forth. It's the focus going on is kind of kept, I think, at many times, like very narrow to the situation at hand. the case with the the terrorist bombing well just as you go through it i think there's other points where it'll just be like a story about some uh squirrels like they'll just be like five pages with some squirrels right just like chit-chatting for a while or like uh some beavers or yeah just like yeah so you get the i think the scope of what's going on in the larger world i think is kind of inferred through all of the stories but I mean, what is your best guess for wh- where this would have gone? I don't know. I mean, Duncan the Wonder Dog being, uh, I imagine, would have showed up at some point as either some kind of like a god or animal messiah. I don't know. Would there, I mean, yeah. Who knows? Cause it's hard to say because it's either it's gearing up for like some kind of like a yeah. mass confrontation. That would or, seem like the most obvious, like, climax would be some sort of human-animal, you know, showdown. But then but that it's probably too obvious, because it doesn't, I guess, tend to go for the super obvious thing, so then really, who knows? It's, like I said, when the first thing that was over, when it was uh, when I finished reading it, was I um, just started, like, paging back through it, because you're just trying to, like, figure this out. It's It's kind of a real bummer that they never, that it was never finished. Yeah, because as as good as it is as a as a solo thing, I mean, you can certainly read it on its own. Um, but it it does it definitely leaves you wanting more. Yeah, no, I love this book. I think it's great, and I I mean, I think it's still great, just as 
a one book, but yeah, I would have definitely loved to see where he would have, you know, and how he would have evolved as a cartoonist over the time it would take to make this. I mean, if you think about how many years this must took him to must have taken him to draw, I mean, he would have been a completely different person by the end of it if he would have just like kept kept at it. It is, I mean, kind of a shame. I imagine it's probably, you know, maybe if he was French or Japanese, he would have been able to like had a more uh, supportive commercial infrastructure to be able to keep making something like this. But in America, the market for weirdo artsy graphic novels is pretty minimal, unfortunately. So I imagine, I'm guessing just like in terms of having to pay the bills and buy food, he probably had to go find a more stable source of income. Right, and this won quite a bit of critical acclaim when it came out. Yeah. But as you mentioned, nowadays, um, it, it I mean, it's been out of print for a long time. And supposedly, I was trying to Google this, and that when it first came out, they were offering, um, this first came out so long ago that they did not even have, um, like, a comiXology thing set up. And you could just apparently get the PDF off of the publisher's website, which oh, but now has okay. long since been been gone, no longer exists, or, yeah. or whatever. Because I even found an interview um, with the author. We were talking about how, at some point, when it once it went out of print, he he was fine with putting the PDF up for free. Oh, okay. Because he wanted people to read it, but again, it's that's um, that was Those so long ago. Those links are all dead now. Yeah. What would you even, uh, here's a good question to get us back on track. What would you even compare it to? Because probably a lot of people that are going to listen to this uh, may or may not be curious, but I mean, there's probably a lot of people that haven't read it. What would I even compare it to? I don't even, it's hard to think of a good uh, comparison for a comic book. Um, man, that's a good question. Yeah. Because it, it's a pretty unique creation in a lot of ways it really is i mean the fact that he went on to work in a different medium i think is kind of telling because i I think you can really tell that his interests and influences are not just in the world of comic books he clearly has an interest in like fairy tales and philosophy because there's a lot of you know asides where animals will like tell each other these little like uh philosophical stories and the animals, it should be mentioned, all have, like, classical, like, Greek and Latin names. Yeah. Which is another one of those touches that is clearly not made out of trying to game plan what the world would be like. Do you like the part where Jack, the burned-out FBI agent, has, like, a dream sequence where he talks to Duncan the Wonder Dog? I like, um, I do like Jack as a character. I mean, it, like I said, it sounds like a stock character, but he does sell me on the, the burnt-out detective. Because he has an encounter with Pompeii, and now he's basically tasked with catching her again. But we, the audience knows that he basically got lucky. Right. He kind of stumbled backwards into being a hero without actually doing anything, and that Pompeii could have killed him, and then for no particular reason just chose to like spare his life. So well, there kinda... seems to be factions within the animal terrorist group, because there was another animal that spared his life. Oh, right. Yeah, there's like there's like factionalism within the group or something. The other animal that was there told Pompey to not. And now um, Pompey is like the leader of their group now. 
so I suppose they've become more extreme because they also mentioned that they um, the case he was originally trying to solve was a kidnapping and they left the the kids that they kidnapped alive. Oh, right, right. Yeah. So then Pompeii is like the more kill, kill them all sort of extremist. Right. Which, again, if you look at how human beings have treated animals, like if the shoe was on the other foot, it's hard. To, it would really be hard to argue with them about, um, you know. Right. And then, but then you twist yourself back around. You're like, but I don't think I really would like to think we wouldn't treat animals that way. It's kind of a million dollar question. But I mean, like, like you were saying, is the ability to speak that much of a, you know, these are in many cases, I mean, not all cases, because obviously all these different, you know, that's another thing is that all the animals seem to be like equally intelligent and able to speak with each other, you know, when in reality, certain animals have much higher like cognitive abilities than others um and they still the animals still eat each other like the carnivores are still carnivores yeah but like cows and like pigs are known to be fairly intelligent empathetic animals and we still treat them horrendously right Right. i guess would would we treat them better if they could talk to us i don't know do you want to give us a last thought on duncan the wonder dog i think that duncan the wonder dog is a unique beautiful moving graphic novel that i would heartily recommend to anyone far and wide with of course the caveat that it is part one of nine and the other eight parts will probably never materialize but it still is a great thing just on its own and i you know when i first read it the ending the ending is just a little philosophical aside with Duncan the Wonder Dog talking to a bird and a rabbit. But when I first read this back when it came out, I remembered this like little ending moment for years. It kind of stuck with me and I, it also kind of hit me again as I was reading it again. It has all these wonderful little grace notes like that in it. Yeah, it's 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 very well done all, all around. And I, I think if you're if you're looking for something um, a little outside of the box, I mean, it is dense. You need, you know, get yourself, uh, I would pour a strong cup of coffee. Before but it's start. not like, you know. It took eating. me a little while to get my bearings at the beginning because it does jump around so much. Yeah, but it is rewarding as you're going through it. It's not like doing homework. No, certain, certainly not. But it. Um, but yeah, it is a dense, dense read. Yeah, it's it you get your money's worth. Uh So that was another episode of the only podcast in the world, Army of Crime. If you enjoyed listening to this or even if you didn't because who cares, you can give us a five-star rating and leave a review or you can find us at armyofcrime.com to uh, listen to any past episodes and look up all of the various topics we've discussed. You can find us on social media. We're on Twitter at Army of Crime. That's Matt and I'm at at Dustin 444444. I believe there's five fours. It's a very stupid handle. Um, Anything else there, Matt? You know, just stay alive out there, people. I assume you're going to look it up and then edit edit out this part.